You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's longest running business talk. We are having a little bit of technical issues here on my side, but hopefully that is working now and you can hear us okay. I'm excited to have our show today because we have a great guest, Clint Graham, who is the co-founder for Joint Commerce as our guest. Clint, welcome to the program. Happy to be here, Rick. Well, let's get right into it. I said you're the co-founder. I love to have people who start in my opinion, artists that do this, creative business. So what was the original motivation for you, your other founders, to launch your firm? Yeah, um, you know, the motivation for us was really driven by the realization, right, that the cannabis industry, which where we as a tech company function and primarily serve, um, had a need for digital advertising solutions and platforms that could really help businesses drive online sales and drive new customer acquisition. So, you know, we saw an opportunity um, to leverage our skill set, to leverage our experience in tech, and really help these cannabis businesses really grow and thrive within a very challenging landscape, as as we all know. So that was the motivation for us. So I love it when entrepreneurs have a niche, especially in the early days, because you can't boil the ocean. Yeah. You got to be really focused. Yeah. So how did this industry come to your attention? Um. You know, for, for those listening, you know, I was born and raised in Jamaica, not that we are going to stereotypically connect cannabis or as you in the Caribbean say ganja to, to, to Jamaicans. But, you know, I've always been familiar. I've had family members in the past who have a very um, intricate relationship with cannabis. Right. I think most people know it as just pot you smoke, but there's a ton of different uses for cannabis, um, a lot of health reasons and benefits. And so I've always been on the peripheral of cannabis. And I think it caught my attention, obviously, once legalization started to take place. Um, and, you know, seeing the rhetoric and the need for standardization and the opportunity. So, you know, it's always been there. Um, the timing just coincided that it was right to get involved. I've been in the industry now for about five years. Um, got my initial baptism by fire at Weed Maps, which is a pretty well-known right. tech platform in the industry and had a great experience there and learned a lot. Um, and, you know, that kind of started this deep, this deep look into what really our business is asking for, the help they need. That's in a very challenging industry to begin with. So I'm wondering what in your, what have you or you together with the other co-founders what have you learned since starting the business? Man, we've we, we learned a lot, right? Um, but I think the most important thing, right, is you have to balance your personal drive and desire and vision with the reality of what it is you're undertaking, right? And so I think for us, what we've learned very early on is that it's okay to not get it right right off the bat, um, that it is about the journey 
and that you have a vision, right? That you have a goal that you're working towards and your customers have trusted confidence in you working towards that goal um, is what's important, right? And I think the challenges of the cannabis industry creates this universal bond, right? With businesses and with business owners because it's difficult to operate, right? It's not for the faint of heart by any means. Um, but if you can rely on others because someone has gone through what you've gone through and, you know, our industry is about community. And so, you know, if you can tap into that community, you'll realize it's okay to not get it right on the first go, but it's the work and effort towards that vision. I think that's really powerful because we can spend too long planning and there's some things you don't learn until you start doing and right. get into action and minimum viable product, right? whatever the right acronym or phrase is for the different industries. But I agree with you. But I'm wondering, have you had any major or minor pivots in the business model since you launched? So the model remains the same. I think there have been pivots within that model in terms of the tech we implement, um, some of the resources we access, um, you know, a lot of what we're doing and partners we're working with, it's new for them in this industry. And so, you know, for them, it's almost like baptism by fire and cannabis. And so obviously with that, there's a lot of compliance that you have to adhere to. Um, there's a lot of um, processes that you have to implement. And at times those can hinder scale, right? Those can hinder how fast you can grow, how fast you can execute, how fast you can activate certain things. And so while it may be the best solution at the time, right, and it looks amazing, if those things, if you can't scale and you can't activate and you're not fluid and flexible for your customers, then it's not the right fit. And so you now have to pivot, which we have, in finding a better solution that, that will serve the need of our company. And thankfully, you know, the, you know, the higher powers, if you will, um, definitely favored us where we are now in a better place from that pivot um, than if we just tried to stay with it and figured it out, right? If we would have wasted time to your point. It's about, hey, this is what's in front of us. Let's make the decision and be very thoughtful about that decision. And it's worked out that that pivot has is, is put us in a better place. Um, I'm always curious with you founders of early stage companies because... There's this tension I've heard between staying with your core vision and listening to the signals from the marketplace because some of it might be noise. So, you know, and when, when you're not the sole decision maker, I'm sure there were times, Clint, where you and the other and the rest of your team had to debate a little bit the pivots that you made to really make sure you weren't just chasing a shiny object necessarily. Yeah. If, if those debates are not happening, you're in trouble. Right. It's those I think need to happen throughout the lifespan or the maturity of a company, because it means there's a healthy conversation about balancing where we go, because what we're really talking about in that scenario is, are we truly customer centric or are we product centric? <laughs> are we building something that we're going to convince people to buy it or right. are we listening to what is needed and then pivot accordingly? And I think you know, within our industry, you know, it's a very unique, amazing industry because, you know, we still believe the cannabis and the weed will sell itself, right? It's like, hey, you know, if it's it's weed, it's like people will buy it. 
<laughs> there's nothing, there's no, this is the simplest business model on the planet. Right. But with the advent of, um, you know, bigger corporations that have experience in CPG and QSR, we all know that's not the case. Like Amazon does not believe that their product will just automatically fly off the shelf, right? There are strategies that need to be implemented that shows value for the consumer, right? So how does this product enhance your life, makes your life better? And I think in our industry, that's missing to some degree. And so we right. try to help our partners along to be like, yes, the product is great. It is amazing, but we have to consider the consumer's lifestyle and how you make that better because that is how you create true acquisition, true like fans of a product, right? People who drink Coke will never drink Pepsi. That's just me. If Pepsi's on the tap, forget it. Not, not drinking it. I will be thirsty until I get to a Coke somewhere. But that's based on true development work over time by Coke to provide that value to me. And I bought into it. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, with the challenges of cannabis in our industry, time is our greatest enemy, right? You don't have enough of it um, because you don't have the resources to give you that time to build that customer, to build that relationship. And so you have to get as much return as quickly as possible. And that is where we're trying to fulfill that need, right? Um, it's like, how do we help you drive that sale, drive that acquisition um, in, a short amount of, in a short amount of time? There are challenges within that, but that is our, our core goal there. So, so let's take it apart a little bit, the cannabis industry, because, you know, I said earlier, I, I really applaud entrepreneurs like yourself who have a niche because you can focus and get momentum easier my experience from what I've heard and seen here over the years. But the, the truth is the cannabis industry is really a fragmented, that's a, there's a lot of elements even within that industry. And so I'm wondering, could you share with us, you know, within the niche, who do you help? What problems are you solving for them and how are they finding you and why are they choosing your firm? Yeah. So, you know, our customer base are typically brands in retail. And so retail, meaning dispensaries and delivery, delivery businesses and brands, meaning all the brands that occupy the space that said dispensaries and deliveries carry on their shelves. So that's our focus. We can do ancillary things like, you know, a lighting company, but, you know, it's, it's very hard in our industry based on data availability, targeting availability to do sort of that B2B. It can be done, but it's a little bit more challenging and requires more time. But primarily we are serving cannabis brands and retail, which are dispensaries and deliveries. And so what we are in that space and why we are, you know, proving to be valuable, right? Because it's a process, right? We, we believe in proving our worth and proving our value by how we execute and the results we produce. So joint commerce is really a fully managed fully managed service um, that runs digital advertising um, focused on scaling a brand or retails awareness with the right customer towards measurable online sales. So our focus within the niche of cannabis is even more challenging is like, we are here to solely help you drive sales. And we're going to show you how you're driving sales and the ROI you're generating from that and help you understand the customers you're acquiring from that. 
And within that, have a conversation around strategic direction, insight, um, you know, what does, you know, a new customer really look like? Is there such a thing as a new customer in cannabis, right? You know, it's a value-based industry. So it might be new for you, but it's not new for that person or the customer could be on that, you know, value tour, I call it, right? Mm. So you, you patronize one service to get their first time 30% off. <laughs> you, and you get his 40% off. Now right. 30 days has passed for the first guy. You go to the other guy to get his 25. So now to the first guy, you are a lapsed consumer. So now you're potentially new. So when you make the turnaround again, you can take advantage of his 40%. That's our industry, right? And so, you know, having the conversation around what does new and returning really mean is, is, is where we find value to our customers because we're so focused on driving that sale and return for you. You know, earlier you used the classic Coke versus Pepsi analogy. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking about your niche, I'm thinking, where are the brands in that space? Is it the dispensary? Is it the med man? Who, is that who's creating the brand awareness? Is it the producer of the flower who has their line that's on display and for sale inside the dispensary? You know, from your experience, who's doing the best job? establishing brand awareness with the cannabis consumer. And do you think long-term that's going to be the brands that are known in that industry or do you see a change over time? There are a few, there are a few brands that are pretty known. Uh, California is fortunate because, you know, there's some pretty awesome brands, dope brands that are known that are coming out of the state. You know, Stizzy comes readily to mind cookies come readily to mind when you go to other states you know you hear these names and then there are others you know can the beverage you know those guys have done a lot of great work in 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 driving awareness i think the overall challenge of our in of the industry with brands and the relationship with dis with retail again dispensaries and deliveries is that brands and time remember time being our greatest enemy we don't have it to build so, so brands have a difficult time storytelling mm. and informing. And so you get into this very low funnel, 20% off, get your, but you're <laughs> not educating anyone on anything. And so brands now have to rely on the retail infrastructure to tell that story. But a retail infrastructure is not necessarily concerned with your brand story, more so to move you off the shelf as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. And so there, the relationship as it exists is brand, let's, let's leech onto the dispensary audience and try to get um, with a customer to be part of the basket, right? And so now you have brands evaluating, well, I like this relationship. It's not probably the best for me, but can I do this myself? So direct to consumer is a very hot topic in our industry. Okay. It, it, it is a consideration by most um, but again, within that, within that lane, you, it's a realization of like, how long does it take if I'm going to do it myself, right? Get the scale and awareness to know that I am doing it myself and then to build the audience, a customer base, cause you're building your own customer base. Remember dispense the retail, you can take advantage of their existing customer base. Cause you're just trying to be part of the basket size. 
Now you're trying to be the entire basket size. And so you're trying to convince someone who normally would buy a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, they can do it to now solely buy your product. And so, you know, what does that look like? You know, how much do you price that to be? Like, do you have skew diversity? Like, you know, all of these things come into play, but the relationship as it stands between brands and retail um, is always an ongoing discussion. Um, but in any case, storytelling and customer development isn't taking place as it normally would in another industry. I always tell cannabis brands like, look, Kleenex spends roughly $2 million alone in the space we occupy. And I don't remember the last time anyone calls tissue, tissue. It's always Kleenex. So if Kleenex decided never to, I think we would still call tissue Kleenex. Hand me a Kleenex. Right. So if they see the need, but they've spent, they, they, they know they need to continuously, because there's a new generation every time, right? There's right. always, it's always a rolling, you can never stop. But they have the time to do that because you're not challenged by legislation, local government, all of the things we know about the industry. And that is, I think, part of the challenge and probably what you're helping your clients to navigate is that it's a heavily regulated and controlled distribution space. It's mm -hmm. It's not like selling Kleenex because there's a lot of interest in making sure that it's done within certain parameters, which mm -hmm. also then puts constraints probably on your brands and what they mm -hmm. are able to do and how they can actually reach the consumer. Yeah. Um, shifting our focus a little bit, Clint, uh, over the years, you've probably been given advice. Some of it's been great. Some of it, maybe not so much, but have you... Do you have any business advice that has really worked for you and as you've scaled your business that you would like to share with my audience? Yes. Customer centricity is pivotal for success. Pivotal. Um, because if you're not listening to the customer, right, you're, you run the risk of building something that they don't need entirely, right? And that's where I kind of went to the whole, like, people believe the weed will sell itself versus how does that fit in the consumer's lifestyle? How does it make the consumer lifestyle? I always chuckle at the, the, the Steve Jobs quote that I think everyone knows, like he built the iPhone. He's like, ah, they don't know they'll need, they don't know they need it yet, right? We'll right. build it and then we'll tell them. Um, that probably worked back then, but with, with changing society, changing norms, millennials, Gen Z, or whatever, whatever's coming behind, um, you need to listen to what, it is that they're asking for and pivot accordingly. So every decision we make um, needs to be rooted in how does this help the customer? Um, it's no longer about, hey, we'll build this product and then we'll convince them why they should buy it mm. because you, know, you can't scale that. And you may get to a point where it's like, this is it. I think a lot of companies feel like we need to build something, man. Like I think you know, financial analysts will tell you, you hit a curve, then you have to innovate and build something else for it to keep going up. And that is fine. But I think in our such a niche environment, if you build something that delivers some consistency and reliability, that will automatically happen because it will be an influx of new people coming in saying, hey, I hear what you've done for X. We'd like the same thing. Let's go. It really seems that you're at a pivotal time in the industry because there will be ultimately a shakeout where there will be the Coke and the Pepsi and brands that people have become attached to. Because if you go into dispensary now, 
it is such a fragmented space between wanting flour and maybe you want uh, digestibles. There's mm -hmm. so, maybe you want to vape it. There's so many uh, options. If someone isn't sure or is just sort of figuring out, it's sort of a kid in a candy store in a way. And that's where the dispensary can guide you. But also, if you can be reached by the producer, you may come in predefined or predisposed at least within certain parameters, which is a great opportunity for you. And, and, and that's a key point because the dispensary environment, and I may catch some flack for this, um, it is a, for brands, it's a pay to play environment. Okay. And to your point, if I am a curious guy coming in, it's like going to Starbucks, standing behind the person <laughs> who the yeah. whip. And you are looking at the menu going, where on the menu is that product? I just want a large coffee. Right. Forget what is that? Friends or like one episode that had that. <laughs> and so if you're curious and you go into a cannabis, into a dispensary, it is overwhelming. Yes. If exactly. you do not know. And if you're like, I just want something to help me sleep. Yes. A, a bud tender in that scenario will only refer to you. Brands who have said, hey push this particular product. So are you really getting an objective no. feedback, right? It's not like pharmacy, where it's like, oh, you know, here, what are your symptoms? Okay, here you go. Right. Um, so, you know, that world for brands need to control because you can target the people you want to explain what it is you provide or the value you give them and then drive that person in to purchase. Right. And that's what we're trying to do, right? Well, that's great because more and more you can do it online. Yes. You can do it and just pick it up. So then that whole you've disintermediated the bud tender from the decision making if you can decide what you want before you walk in. It, you are, it's the Wild West, right? the industry you're in right now. Brands should control their story. That's, yes. You built it, designed it, curated it, manufactured it. And it's just, it's tough to let retail now dictate how that is communicated like yeah. you will you can say all you want hey man make sure you put the product in this light or you say this but ultimately once you have that selling hey you're now sitting back waiting for you know another buy or another sell through or something right like right. your role is ended once it's out it's in the dispensary and again i'll just i'll just say clint in my opinion and i'm not an i'm just an outside observer it seems like there's going to be that opportunity where the major brands will figure out how to create that brand awareness and that will change the game yep. uh, from, a, from a buying pattern. So the work that you're doing is, is critical because it's strategic for them mm -hmm. to be able, one of the few brands that'll probably be standing in the end, they'll be the lion's share of the business. Pareto will take over. And make it measurable and transparent form, right? So yeah. you see the return so you can accurately say, okay, this is what you said you were gonna do. Here's the results, that makes sense. What are the insights? Okay, let's have a conversation. Now you just now you're in a place where you can make better decisions as a business um, from marketing, even though it's not going to be a game changer because no one's going to spend enough money to like revolutionize or get the large. But it can provide a snapshot that you can weight against your business to make decisions. Right? Okay, the feedback is this, the results is this, or I know I'm selling this much. If I extrapolate that to how much I this is where I should be. These are conversations you can now have and what we're trying to help our, our partners have. And it's just, how, how is marketing providing me a window into the consumer 
most people don't think of it that way. They just think of it as, man, I didn't sell anything, but we're providing you a window into the consumer you're serving and helping you understand and curate the best person to buy from you or the best person who's buying your stuff. That's who this person is. That sounds like magic. Frankly. I'm trying. I have my wand around here. So I was <laughs> he's a wizard, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Not on, just a I'm co-founder. On, I'm on um, it's funny you say that because now I'm on like Hogwarts TikTok. For a lot of people listening, <laughs> they'll realize what I'm talking about. But now I'm on Hogwarts TikTok. So how do you see the future? What's your vision for the firm? So my vision, you know, is pretty simple. And and I, I repeat this over and over to the team and, and to anyone we work with, you know. Look, we're trying to become the preferred digital advertising partner for customers or for the industry that delivers consistency and reliability. If you talk to anyone in cannabis, consistency and reliability are like very hard commodities to come by. And I think that alone allows us to focus on what we build, how we communicate, how how we pivot as long as it's delivering something that's consistent and reliable in the results we're giving, um, I think that'll allow us to kind of really scale at an exponential rate. But we're building it right now to get to that. So if someone wants to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn or learn more about the firm, where do you say they go? You can find me on LinkedIn, Clint Graham. Um, I'll accept everything. And then, you know, I, I'm on Instagram as well. I have uh, my handle is Yardy Weed, Y-A-R-D-I-E Weed. So that combines being Jamaican and weed together. So I, I thought I was being clever. <laughs> I'm sure you are. You you appear to be very clever, Clint. And I, <laughs> I want to thank you for giving us a little bit of your time and sharing your insights. It, it's been so interesting for me and I'm sure for our audience. Thank you. No, thank you. This was great. And yeah, and please reach out anyone. Clint Graham on LinkedIn, DM. Um, I'm always open for a good conversation about strategy and customer acquisition and just drive, making people money, right? That's what we're trying to do. Lovely. And let's thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Clint's episode is episode number 1,421 in our catalog. If, if you're, thank you. If you're an Orange <laughs> County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell, who doesn't if you're an entrepreneur? What a story. Yeah. Then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And put you on a future episode of Critical Mass uh, Business Talk Show. We'd love to have you as a guest. Until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm-hmm.